Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat. Had a couple days off, but I'm back. Josh is back. Again, again, into it with Aaron Rodgers' interview on SportsCenter. Julio Jones talking about his trade on the phone with Shannon Sharp on Fox Sports. And then a lot of NBA action as well has been happening. There's a lot to get into there. A lot to get into in the NHL as well. Same thing with those playoffs underway. Then talk about uh, some MLB. And then finish up with some golf. The PGA Championship in the rivalry between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. It's going to be great. So let's get started with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, he'll be able to sign a contract extension next year when he enters his fifth year uh, option. He's only making $1.7 million this year, but next year with his option, that number will be up to $23 million, and then he'll be able to sign a deal. And I believe Lamar Jackson will sign a deal uh, that surpasses Dak Prescott uh, in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has an insane 10-year deal with an average of around $45 million a year, uh, where Dak has a four-year deal, an average of $40 million, but the first two years of his deal are heavily front-loaded, definitely making more than Patrick in the first year, uh, first two years of his deal compared to Patrick Mahomes. And I believe Lamar Jackson will be right on his way. And then for that class, you'll have Josh Allen as well and Baker Mayfield. So a lot of money will be spent on quarterbacks, but we won't be talking about Josh uh, Allen or Baker Mayfield today. It's on Lamar Jackson. With this extension, will he be able, or any extension, will he be able to take the Ravens to a Super Bowl? My answer is no, no, no. Ray Lewis, I love you. One of my favorite players. Was one of the greatest middle linebackers of all time. Arguably the greatest middle linebacker of all time. Somebody I enjoyed watching play football. The Ravens, I'm a Ravens, a passion, intensity that he played with on the football field, the big plays. But no, I have to disagree with him here. Lamar Jackson cannot lead the Ravens to a Super Bowl. And to me, this is the last year, this coming year, upcoming, will be the last chance for him to take the Ravens to a Super Bowl. Why is that? Well, he's making $1.7 million this year. Next year, he'll be making $23 million. So that's an increase of around $21 to $22 million. When you think of that $21 to $22 million, that gets you a star player in this league, or two very solid 
uh, players in this league or, you know, a bunch of minimums. You can do a lot with $22 million in the NFL. You can spread that out. But when it's all going to one player, that means somebody on the Ravens will have to go. That means you have to restructure contracts. That means you might not be able to sign free agents. So this year is the last year to go all in with Lamar Jackson and see if he's a guy to do it. Because if you can do it, now's the time to get wide receivers and use that full maximum of the $22 million that you won't be able to use uh, next year. Uh, we see this all the time. Jared Goff on his rookie contract took the Rams to the Super Bowl, but didn't hasn't made it since because he got a huge contract from the Rams. Russell Wilson in Seattle won a Super Bowl, went to two Super Bowls on his rookie deal, got huge contract extensions after that, haven't been able to go back to the Super Bowl since then. Now, why is that? Well, that's because all the money, I won't say all, most of the money is tied uh, to one player. Aaron Rodgers was on an all-right deal when he went to the Super Bowl. Uh, now he is one of the wealthiest quarterbacks in the league, and he hasn't been to Super Bowl since. So that's what happens there uh, when you have to allocate uh, your resources and money, and a lot of it goes to the quarterback. Then you don't have uh, room for that one wide receiver you might want, that offensive lineman to guard you, that defensive lineman to rush the quarterback. Uh, so it all adds up. And so it's really good to tell your rookie quarterback on his rookie deal or uh, your young quarterback on his rookie deal. So I think you're going to learn a lot about the Ravens team this year currently constructed. They went out, drafted some wide receivers, signed some uh, signed some offensive linemen. I think they're going to go all in this year, uh, knowing the Browns are right here, Steelers are on the decline. This is their one last year to kind of prove it with Lamar Jackson because the road to the Super Bowl will get much harder after he signs a contract extension. Uh, that's just the reality of the game. It gets much harder unless he doesn't take a lucrative contract extension or restructures uh, his deals in ways that Tom Brady has done or Patrick Mahomes just started this year. But if he signs a contract extension that large, uh, around you know $23.1 million, but it could, that's next year, but he has extension, you know, if it's in the Dak Prescott, it could be $40 million. It's $40 million more a year. Dak Prescott ain't going to the Super Bowl with so much money being tied to him and all the issues they have on defense and offensive line that, you know, the draft, what you draft cannot mask over every hole in your roster. So this is a Ravens' last hurrah to try to win one uh, with Lamar Jackson before things get out of control in Baltimore. Vince, Mark, uh, Adam Vinatieri, kicker, all-time leading scorer in the NFL, has retired today. Uh, 24 seasons, 48 years old, uh, the best kicker of all time, of course, leading scorer. So many game-winning kicks uh, for the Patriots in his 10-year career there. Uh, a lot of good times also in kicks with the Colts. So congratulations, Adam Vinatieri, on a wonderful career on your Super Bowl rings and being the all-time NFL leading scorer. Wish you nothing uh, but the best.
Now to get into Aaron Rodgers' interview with Kenny Mayne. I talked about the problems in Green Bay and the trade request. Uh, He said, and it's up to you if you believe his words or not, that he loves Jordan Love. It has nothing to do with draft picks or Jordan Love. The problem is with the culture there and the philosophy within the organization. And to me, it really seems uh, more of the general manager uh, status. You know, he said he loves his teammates and the culture is made by people, uh, you know, brick by brick, you know, player by player. And that's true. But the philosophy is uh, what has kind of had this trade request uh, brewing and going. And I totally agree uh, with Aaron Rodgers on this, you know, working uh, for a company, uh, in kind of being near the nucleus of it, interacting with some of the higher-ups, such as the CEO, COO, CIO, and such, uh, you see that the culture there is made you know, from your teammates and associates there. That's what makes uh, the culture of a company. Uh, but a lot of that is affected by the philosophy of the company and kind of the orders and, you know, things that are being brought up uh, by those higher-ups. So in Aaron's case, I can totally see uh, he's been with the Packers a long time, longer than his coach, uh, the current general manager there. And he's in the nucleus of this franchise. He is a league MVP. He knows what's up, and if he thinks that's it, if he's has a philosophical change, notices within the organization and he needs to go, uh, then I think he should go. And I think Green Bay should honor that right uh, to request his trade. If not, if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd definitely consider sitting out this season, retiring, because uh, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is living his best life, vacationing in Hawaii, uh, hosting Jeopardy, uh, making guest appearances, on Sports Center and at sporting events uh, such as the Kentucky Derby and then a golf match that I'll be getting into tonight. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers and his legacy and everything will die on the football field. I think there's a lot he wants to do and will accomplish even if uh, he doesn't get his wish in Green Bay. Now moving on to Julio Jones. The Julio Jones trade... Saga happened Monday on Fox Sports uh, 1 when Shannon Sharp decided to call Julio Jones on live TV. And Julio Jones said that he's out of there, wants to play for a winner. But from the reports that are going on, it looks like the preferred destinations are the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. Now, I've already highlighted why he should go to the Titans and why the Titans should be jumping all over Julio Jones. I mean, if he wants to go there, uh, he served you up, you know, the perfect fastball right down the middle. It's up to the Titans to now knock it out of a park and to get him. Because if he knows he wants to go there, the Titans know that. The Falcons know this is out now. Uh, This is something that the Titans should 
be all up on and just, you know, take this serving right there. Because you have a chance, you're in a tough spot in your conference. I think they can make through their division. They've got Derrick Henry. Yes, we run a lot of plays with Derrick Henry. But you got A.J. Brown, who's an ascending wide receiver. I believe he's a wide receiver one, even though some might disagree. He's a top wide receiver to me in this league. But pairing him with Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill, uh, especially he's so good on play action, doesn't turn the ball over, which makes him a competent quarterback. I don't think he's uh, an all-star or MVP level quarterback or ever will be. But if you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, not a lot can go wrong if you don't turn the football over. And with Derrick Henry as well, uh, yes, he lost a tight end in free agency. He lost some of their wide receiver depth as well. So pairing Julio Jones with this team is just perfect for this offense. And I think Mike Vrabel uh, should be very adamant about getting this done within the organization. Now the Patriots as a team where if he wants to go to a winner, it's kind of dis, uh, you know, takes it away because, yes, the Patriots technically are winners, but last year they did not look like winners nor played the part of winners. I do believe their defense will be much improved this year with people coming back that opted out last year and some of the draft picks that they got. Offensive line should be all right. Uh, the running backs are nothing special. Uh, they don't have a true wide receiver, uh, wide receiver one, or to me, a wide receiver two. Uh, they've got two good tight ends, but they don't have a wide receiver. So Julio Jones will be the top dog there. So I do get that. But the quarterbacks are very unproven. You have Mac Jones, who they just drafted Alabama. Great wide receiver at college for Alabama, but very unproven. I think he ties more into... Uh, Cam Newton playing against him when he was on Carolina but this is not the Cam Newton of Carolina this is the ghost of Cam Newton that is playing he did not look good last year yes he had a little snafu with COVID uh, and got COVID-19 and he said that affected him and he wasn't the same since then he got it Uh, but to me he's still not the guy not even towards the end of his Panthers career or looking last year to me I don't know what Julio Jones sees in Cam Newton other than a friendship, uh, but I don't think Cam Newton's going to benefit Julio Jones' career. Julio Jones is another teetering on the brink of injury-prone wide receiver, Cam Newton injury-prone quarterback. Uh, So that's a lot of risk for the Patriots to do as well with money tied up to Cam Newton, and then a lot of money tied up to Julio Jones since the Falcons are cap-crunched as well. They have an ascending star in... Calvin Ridley, who's younger, they're going to have to pay him. Kyle Pitts, they just drafted. Uh, So Julio Jones will have to be out of there one way or another. Then, now shifting to the NBA. What to get into, because I haven't done podcasts since of the official NBA playoff start of this past Saturday. But one key thing is, as a Lakers fan, have to talk about the Lakers and the Suns. The series right now, is it one apiece? The Lakers lost the first game. Uh, Suns won the first game in a crazy uh, game where 
CP3 kind of clipped LeBron going up for a free throw, went down hard on his shoulder, which didn't look good. CP3 didn't look good. He left the game twice uh, with his shoulder. Uh, but Devin Booker played the part of a superhero and carry this team with 34 points. Nobody could stop him. And LeBron James got going hot in the first quarter, but really didn't get much after that. And Anthony Davis uh, was flat out uh, terrible. Everything went wrong for the Lakers. Everything went right for the Suns, other than the Chris Paul injury. Devin Booker played great. DeAndre Ayton played great as well. So what was a wacky game, the Phoenix Suns uh, pulled out that one even uh, with CP3's injury, the first part of it colliding with his own teammate. Then last night in a game where Chris Paul was heavily impacted by his injury, didn't play a lot of minutes, the Lakers went on to win by seven Anthony Davis was aggressive from the start, picking up a weak flagrant one foul on a kick to the groin of a Suns defense defender, which you know is not something that AD should be doing. It wasn't a smart play by him to pick up that foul, but he was aggressive off the start, aggressive in the paint, which led to 21 free throws attempts. Uh, he looked really good. Andre Drummond as well, protecting the rim, and LeBron James facilitating. This was just a perfect Lakers win uh, where Devin Booker had 31 points, but more than half of those were from the free throw line. They disrupted him uh, early. They double teamed him, and this team just did look hampered without Chris Paul the third. I said after the Lakers win, or after the Suns win on Sunday, that the Lakers would win in five. No matter what, Lakers in five, and it looks like that's the case. Uh, I feel bad for CP3 because uh, he played so good at the MVP caliber level this year. So if he can't come back healthy uh, for his playoffs, this is a huge hit as he gets older in his career uh, to now be out of the playoffs due to another injury to you. And it just shows how important Chris Paul is Uh to this team when they lose games like this in a game where if he would have been healthy, uh, Phoenix would have won this game, and I think Phoenix uh, would have won this series if Chris Paul was fully healthy. More NBA, another shock, is the Dallas Mavericks up two on the Los Angeles Clippers. Did not expect that. Pick the Clippers to win this series. But the Mavericks are going off. The first game, Mavericks won 113-103. Luka Doncic played great. Triple-double to match Kawhi's uh, double-double. But Luka was just more aggressive. Tim Hardaway raining down threes. Dorian Finney-Smith as well, uh, hitting 80% of his three-point attempts, where they shot 47%. And 
and the Clippers, the best three-point shooting team of the league, only managed to shoot 27%. Paul George, specifically, not hitting a lot of his three-point attempts. Marcus Morris, not hitting any. Only four points. I mean, come on. That didn't look good. Uh, Pat Beverly, his defense, not looking like he can contain Luka Doncic. And all that just continued in Game 2, where Kawhi had an amazing first half. 30 points, finished with 41, but not to be outdone by Luka, who led his team to a win. And he himself scored 39 points. Shot even better from the field than they did the game before. Shot 58% and 53% from three compared to the Clippers' 39% from three. Paul George once again missing key three-point attempts, especially close when the game is close near the end and you know the Clippers are up by, or the Mavericks are up by a few points. But you need a key three. Passed out to Paul George wide open, and he misses the three-point shot since something he was so consistent in during a regular season and playoff P might be back to haunt the Clippers again. And then still with Patrick Beverly contributing nothing on offense, only three points seen with Zubak, with two points Serge Ibaka looking very limited, six minutes in the last game. But Luka Doncic coming to play, 39 points. Chris Depps, Porzingis looked good too. Tim Hardaway, again, making 75% of his three-point attempts, added 28 points to the game. The Mavericks are looking really good to me. The series is over. Dallas beating the Clippers both times at Staples Center, the home of the Los Angeles Clippers. Now the Dallas Mavericks are going back to Dallas. I don't know if they'll win both those games, but what I do know is they will not lose both those games. This series is over for the Clippers the Kawhi Paul George experiment is dead, and now it's time for the rumors of Kawhi Leonard going to another team. Will be starting very, very shortly. And then into dominant a series, or what has turned dominant, the Milwaukee Bucks eking out a win against the Heat in the first game in overtime. Uh turned into a route in Game 2 of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, cruising to a big win against the Heat uh, by 30 points. Looked much better. Giannis dominating, and to me this is what I thought. I thought the Bucks would get their revenge after what happened last year, especially after that first game. That was such a momentum swing, even after this game. Uh, there's nothing left for the Heat. Yes, Jimmy Butler has to play better. He hasn't played good in this series, uh, but the Heat are out on this series. Milwaukee is in total control. And another one, which was close on Saturday, uh, the Celtics were up against the Nets, but the Nets came back in the second half uh, to take the victory, uh, whereas in last night, the Brooklyn Nets dominated the Boston Celtics from start to finish. Didn't help that uh, Jason Tatum exited 
with an injury. But nonetheless, this team fully operational with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving look very potent together. Not to mention Joe Harris looking like a three-point specialist that he is raining down threes on this helpless Celtics team. So a lot of NBA happening. But I will be making three picks tonight tonight for the three games. The first is the Washington Wizards going up against the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia 76ers won the first game 1-0. to And I believe the Philadelphia Sixers will win this game as well. The 76ers are just too balanced, too good from top to bottom. Their depth, uh, their defensive ability, the way Joel Embiid has played this year is just no match for uh, the Washington Wizards. Yes, Bradley Beal can do his best, uh, but Russell Westbrook is not an efficient shooter, an elite shooter. And when he starts pulling up and shooting jump shot threes and bricking them and looking terrible, that is not a good sign uh, for the Wizards. The Wizards win when they control the tempo, when Russell Westbrook is engaged and aggressive and Bradley Beal is knocking down shots, uh, but not when Russell Westbrook is in total control, overtly uh, aggressive. But the 76ers are just a better team and will be on their way uh, to a 2-0 series lead after tonight. Then you have the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks after that. Another great first game. Back and forth. Knicks tied it up near the end, but Trey Young with the game-winning floater shot was just too much for Julius Randle. And the Knicks' Julius Randle did not have an impressive first game, whereas Trey Young did have the impressive first game. Went out the court shushing the New York Knicks fans, saying it got awfully quiet, mocking them in MSG, the home of the New York Knicks. So, there you go. That's it. I think the Knicks are going to come out with a vengeance tonight. I think Julius Randle is going to be bringing his A game tonight, which he has brought most of the year. And they're going to come out and even this in front of a crazy Knicks crowd. And this fan base is going to get electric uh, for its first playoff win in a while. MSG is going to be rocking and the Knicks are going to be there to show up. And they will show up and show out against the Hawks. Then lastly, the Memphis Grizzlies take on the Utah Jazz, and which was such a shocker, uh, taking it back till this last Friday, where the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Warriors in the play-in. 
in overtime. Crazy game. Memphis up the whole time. Didn't look like Golden State had a chance. Memphis lets them slowly come back. It's tied. Then you think all the momentum's with Golden State. And then it goes into overtime. And then John Morant and Dylan Brooks just step up in overtime and take that commanding lead and win by five points. And what was a crazy game. And John Morant uh, played great. Played like he was a rookie of the year last year, uh, but definitely at a more mature level. Sending the veteran MVP candidate, two-time MVP, Steph Curry, packing Draymond Green, packing. But they said they'll be back. It's not over yet. I believe they will if Steph Curry plays like this next year. And Klay Thompson comes back at 80% of what he was a couple years ago. Yes, this team will be back uh, in contention where I don't think they'll be messing with the play-in if both stars are fully healthy. I definitely see a top five seed if both of them are healthy. But back to the point at hand. The Grizzlies upset the Utah Jazz. Best team in the league. Best record of the league. Uh, And they play again tonight. Jordan Clarkson. Sixth man of the year for the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell. Who was incensed and upset. That he was scratched the last game. Which I believe is the reason they lost. Because they didn't have to deal with. Donovan Mitchell, the Grizzlies did not, so they were able to win that game. John Morant and Dylan Brooks dominating. I think Donovan Mitchell returns tonight and leads the Utah Jazz to a win and evens up this series. But the health of Donovan Mitchell is the main concern of the Utah Jazz team. If Donovan Mitchell does not play four games in the series, the Memphis Grizzlies will win those four games. If Donovan Mitchell does play in the series and is healthy, I believe Utah Jazz will win. But that game was a wake-up call for Utah Jazz saying the Memphis Grizzlies are for real. John Morant's for real. This team is for real. You better not take us lightly. You're not going to be able to rest Donovan Mitchell and beat us. You're going to need the house to come beat the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that's the right attitude to have. But in the end... The Utah Jazz are just too much for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, moving on to NHL. Again, more to get into. One, the Colorado Avalanche swept... The Blues, the St. Louis Blues, and that was something, I didn't know if it would have been a sweep, but I did pick the Colorado Avalanche to beat the Blues, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Colorado Avalanche was too tough. St. Louis was kind of mediocre all year. Phil Grubauer has been playing amazing recently, so that was just it. 
for the St. Louis Blues. They didn't deserve to be there uh, in the measly point total they had compared to the President's Trophy winner, Colorado Avalanche. So they're gone. Colorado Avalanche moves on. One series. Actually, there was two series I was wrong against. One I was right was the Avalanche. Now one I was wrong against was the Bruins in the Capitals. I picked Washington Capitals to win, being a long series. It was rather short. Washington won the first game, but couldn't win a game after that. It's the Boston Bruins won this series 4-1. to one. A couple of them in a dagger overtime. Third game in a dominant fashion. Tuco Rask playing awfully good, looking pretty scary out there with some of the saves he's made and how well he's played. Uh, to me, this offense doesn't look super potent, but they get the job done, and Tuka Rask and this defense is able to hold them down, and they held down Ovechkin and the company, and it looks like Evgeny Kuznetsov is on his way out. Who knows uh, what their goalie situation holds. Uh, with Vita Vanacek and Samsonov. Vita Vanacek looked like the better goalie, but of course that injury in the first game of the series uh, took him out for that series. So that's definitely frustrating uh, for the Capitals. And then, and something, I uh, total shock to me, not total shock, because there was a 1% possibility that this could happen based on how they played in last year's playoffs. But the Edmonton Oilers getting swept by the Winnipeg Jets. I thought it was possible that the Jets could beat them. You know, it's very possible. But a sweep? I thought, no, you it just can't happen. But it did happen. The Winnipeg Jets swept the Edmonton Oilers. It's shocking because Connor Hellebuck has played great in this series, has played fantastic who's really been a great regular season goalie and an underachieving uh, playoff goalie. But they look great. They're playing great. Uh, Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor. that line is engaged. They're playing really well. Connor Hellebuck's playing well, too. He led them to a win. And really, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are to blame for what happened in the series. To me, it's not Mike Smith. You have somebody in Connor McDavid who I believe had 105 points in the regular season and Dreisaitl who had around 70 or 80 points, you know, one and two in points. And Connor McDavid only had, you know, two points in a playoff series. If that, and then Dreisaitl only had, you know, three points in a playoff series. If that. So their star players combined only had five points, and it was really the last two games they were held out the last the first two games. So this team built around two superstars. Really, if you have two superstars, you should be able to win. You look at Crosby and Malkin being able to win. Yes, you know you had depth around the center uh, with Cullen and Nick Benino, but they also have Nugent Hopkins. I think it's the way they have these lines and putting Dreisaitl with Connor McDavid, not balancing out uh, these lines is a problem, but you have two of the best players in the league, and you can't win a playoff game. Uh, that's pathetic. 
when you look at the NBA, you have LeBron and AD winning playoff games. If they were to get swept, how would we say? Once Paul George and Kawhi, if they get swept, there's going to be a lot to say about that. Uh, but really, that's what I meant by saying Connor McDavid does not deserve MVP because he does not carry his team to victory. He's not a leader for this team at all. He doesn't rally the troops uh, to go. Uh, he likes to score his points and have highlight breakaway goals in the regular season, but he does not bring up and show up in the postseason. To me, that's where your money has been made, and he has made no money uh, with a playoff, one playoff series win in six seasons. Um, overrated is all I have to say about Connor and McDavid. Now, the Maple Leafs take a commanding lead after a crazy injury uh, to their captain, John Tavares. Lose the first game, but now we're up 3-1 to one commanding lead. And now, I have to talk about, before I make my prediction for tonight's Penguins-Islanders game, I have to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins goalie, Tristan Jari, in the major gaff stupidity moment that he put on display on Monday. Tristan Jari had a good game, uh, 2-2 in the second overtime, and the puck is on his stick, the goalie stick, and instead of passing it to a Pittsburgh Penguin player on his team, you know, to the left of him, a defenseman's right there, he decides to just shoot the puck up and make some type of play that isn't there, puts it on the tape of an Islanders player, and scores, ending the game in second overtime, letting the Islanders take the 3-2 series lead and put the Penguins on the brink of elimination. That was a terrible, unacceptable play by the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is something that cannot happen and should never happen. It was just so, so bad uh, to see that kind of trash happen. Uh, You know, it'd be better to cover up a puck, really do anything than to shoot the puck up the middle when an opponent, opposing player, is skating and down the ice and really wasted a good performance. Yes, the Penguins didn't convert on a lot of chances they had, but they were dominating the shots. Uh, I believe they had 50 shots uh, in the game, or 48 or 50. And they were in the Islanders' zone most of the game. They just couldn't convert on their chances. But they dominated where Tristan Jari didn't have to make a ton of saves. Couldn't come up with that save as he was out of position. But he didn't even give the Penguins a chance uh, in this game to give him one more rush or do anything. Uh, you can say, you know, Tristan Jari lost that game for him. Uh, whereas if the goal would have came somewhere else on a power play, you know, we could have said, you know, that loss is on that person or on the offense not scoring. But when Tristan Jari does that, Coupled that with how he looked in the first game very poorly, you can say two of the losses of the Penguins are strictly on a Tristan Jari, and he has to step up. Now they're on a brink of elimination. And you used to have a goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury who was so good in these situations uh, in, in the part of the career that he was in. 
Now you have an unproven Matt Murray. Islanders have all the momentum. Ilya Sorokin, goaltender of the Islanders, looks so good in the playoffs. What happens here? I cannot pick the New York Islanders to win this game. I'm picking the Pittsburgh Penguins. I will ride with them. Last game in Nassau Coliseum for the New York Islanders, potentially, depending on what happens with this series. The crowd has been increased. The limit capacity. The fans will be even more crazy there. But I like Pittsburgh winning this game. I believe you're going to get after Ilya Sorokin and not even think about Tristan Jari. In the back, they're going to dominate it and they're going to actually convert on the chances that they have tonight. Then the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I really like Florida's last win and Spencer Knight goaltender at 20. With that playoff win, gutsy performance by him after letting in one goal at the beginning. But I think Tampa Bay will win this game. I just feel like they have a better team in the series, especially uh, with Kucherov, even though you know I don't like that in that whole cap situation. Uh, but they have a better team, at least in this series, it has looked like. And then the Golden Knights in the Wild. I'm picking the Vegas Golden Knights to win this series tonight uh, with a win over Minnesota Wild. I think it'll be very scary if they allow it to go to a Game 7. Marc-Andre Fleury, last game was the one game he did not look good or at least did not start good. Uh, The whole Vegas team did not start off well, uh, but they really found their uh, self and got going in the second period and the third period. Uh, but they just couldn't capitalize on all the shots they were firing down at Camp Talbot, but I believe Vegas gets this win tonight. Uh, must need it at least for them. Now shifting to baseball. Tonight, the marquee game is the Dodgers and the Astros. Yesterday, the Dodgers won 9-2. to Clayton Kershaw, a pitch great, and this is, you know, a first series meeting uh, which started yesterday uh, between these teams since the World Series, where the Astros cheated and they won the World Series. They beat the Dodgers in that World Series. Now the Dodgers, you know, just want revenge on them. Cody Bellinger doesn't like them, uh, along with the rest of the players on this team. Trevor Bauer. Pitching tonight, he's on the mound. I think he's going to dominate the Astros. And the only thing that this roster and team wants to do in terms of the Dodgers is beat the Astros uh, and really uh, doesn't live up to the hype as it did a couple years ago in the World Series. But the Dodgers surely will welcome any chance they get at beating the Houston Astros. And then wrapping up with golf, Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship. Oh, it was so good. So good to see that. Uh, That's something that I didn't think 
I would ever see is Phil Mickelson win another major. Uh, that to me was the second greatest golf moment of all time that I've witnessed in my lifetime. The first being Tiger's win in the Masters in 2019. And Phil Mickelson got the same love. Tiger walking up to the 18th green knowing he was going to win. The Masters released the crowd. The crowd right behind him all watching, encompassing that 18th green. Phil Mickelson got the same love. Phil, the people's uh, person, lefty, everybody loves, got the same treatment when he knew he was going to win, walking up to the 18th green. They let the fans out, the patrons out to follow him. Uh, He putted and became the oldest player in golf history uh, to win a major at the age of 50 years old. Phil Mickelson played brilliant, hit amazing drives, one on the 18th, or one on the last day on a par 5, you know, where he outdrove everybody, outdrove the young guns, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Jason Day, he outdrove them all, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, he outdrove them all on that day. It was his best stuff. He was locked in. It looked good. Outlasted Brooks Kepka, who's a major hunter. Half of his wins have been at majors. Uh, it is was just a great sight uh, to see. And then Brooks Kepka and Bryce and DeChambeau, that rivalry is heating up. A snippet came out of uh, Bryson uh, in some of his, his cleat marks and the loud noise when Brooks Kepka was doing an interview. Uh, Brooks lost his train of thought, rolled his eyes, and then all the you know old history of Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau uh, came out. So it's nice to have a golf rivalry. Is it at the Tiger Phil level yet? Uh, no, it isn't. But it would be nice to see these two paired up in a final round of a major uh, to see what these two kind of go through. And then it got even crazier today because it was announced that Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady are taking on the Green Bay Packers. I... I should rephrase that. Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady are taking on quarterback Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers and Bryson DeChambeau. So you have Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson versus Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. Two golf superstars, Phil and Bryce, against two NFL superstars, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in a match play, which will be great for the game of golf. Uh, especially since it's early July, not a lot of sports are on, and you can watch that. But bringing this up in relation to Brooks Kepka again, is Brooks Kepka tweeted, Sorry bro, to Aaron Rodgers for having to be paired with DeChambeau. DeChambeau responding, saying, It's nice to be living rent-free in your head. Then Brooks posted a 13-second video 
what happened earlier in the week of the PGA Championship when Bryson DeChambeau was on a tee and said, All right, Brooksy. And then Bryson said that whoever uh, is calling me Brooksy needs uh, to get out of here. Uh, which is just great that this feud is going on. Uh, to me, Tom Brady really started it with the memes he was posting of the incident of Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. But this is going to be great. Uh, those players going at it in the match play. This is great for the game of golf. For people to be this interested, investing time into it when you have star NFL players, when you have a rivalry going on, players not liking each other, that just all adds up to the intensity of a sport and just makes it better. So that is one thing I'm looking forward to, the match play between Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. The goat of... The goat of the NFL, and on the Mount Rushmore himself, Phil Mickelson, uh, going against the phony goat in Aaron Rodgers and the scientist who doesn't know much in Bryson DeChambeau. So there you go, folks. Nice to be back on Get Your Goat. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. Bye, everybody.